Let me tell you what we're struggling with with our kids right now. Let me just vent for a minute. And there's kids in the room. Kids, y'all hearing me? Okay, here's what's driving us nuts as parents in our house is the constant antagonizing. Do you guys know what I'm talking about with that word antagonizing? Okay, so here's how it is. Beckett antagonizes Camden, and Camden antagonizes Elisha, and Elisha antagonizes Taryn, and Taryn antagonizes me, and it's just like, it's this vicious cycle that we can't get out of, and I'm not to blame. I'm the last one, right? I'm not, I'm the last one in the chain, and so I just am a victim to all this, like, Come on, it's not just kids that antagonize. It's, it happens in traffic. It wasn't your fault that you flipped out on them. It was their, it was their fault for cutting you off, right? Come on, pointing fingers. We do this all the time. We did, we did some stuff a little while back when we were talking about our emotional health and how we play the blame game. You guys remember that just a, a month or, or two ago? We were talking about how dangerous that is in our life. And I want to take that, but I want to go even further with it today as we move along in our five dysfunctions of a family. And we've just been unpacking. My wife says I use that term way too much. I probably do. Um, uh, we're we're going to unearth, right? We'll just come up with something. Uh, we're, we're just going to dig into this idea that what God's family is supposed to look like, like the body of Christ, as well as maybe your work family, maybe your, your uh, immediate family, like those that live in your house. What, what's the picture that God has for our family? We started off saying that God wants us unified in our vision and how we see that, that our house, as for me and my house, will serve uh, the Lord. And we've been talking about loving communication, and we've talked about God wants our families healthy, right? Sometimes there's hard conversations that need to happen to get there, but God wants our families healthy. And today I want to talk about God wants our families to be faithful, he wants his church, his body, his sons and daughters to be faithful. When I hear, when I say that and you hear that term faithful, what comes to mind? If I said, what does it mean to be faithful? We might start, some of us might start saying things like the Christian checklist, right? I'm reading my Bible and I'm showing up at church and I'm giving up my time and I'm being faithful. I'm being faithful and we might go to some of the Christian checklist stuff, but we'll miss out and we'll forget things like showing mercy and, and walking humbly and acting justly. Or, God forbid, like we might actually trust God. We might actually trust him when we don't see it. Like, what if, what if it's far more than the checklist? What if it goes way deeper than that to our hearts? Well, I want to talk about that today in light of not only our families, but a lady in scripture who who really dealt with a lot of pain. And looking on, like she would have the excuse to yell at the person in traffic. She would have the, she has so many reasons to point and say, but you, but you, but you, but you, and yelling even at God and angry at God, but she was faithful. Uh, Hannah is who I want to talk about today and the faithfulness of Hannah. And Hannah is the fourth woman in scripture we see struggle with infertility. And as I bring up the idea of infertility for anyone in the room that has struggled with that in your life, I, I, I hope this just brings encouragement to you. 
because the, the, the grandmother, the mother and daughter of the faith, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob's wives all dealt with infertility. Every last one of them. Do you realize that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, their wives, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel all struggle with infertility. And Hannah's the fourth one we see that struggle with infertility. And and all three of those women, uh, Sarah, Rebecca, and Rachel, they, they struggled with it, uh, but they, they doubted God, and, and, and they kind of gave up at times, and they were unfaithful. And Hannah, being the fourth one here, a couple of generations removed from them, and she is our example of faithfulness. You guys remember Sarah was like, okay, just, just take your, your slave and go have a baby with, with your slave, right? She just kind of gave up hope, but, but Hannah was faithful. And so I, I want to talk you through the story. You can turn to 1 Samuel chapter 1, uh, and, and we'll reference chapter 1, and we'll, we'll read uh, 10 verses here in chapter 2 in just a second. But I want to kind of jump you into the story. Um, you, you cannot worry about it on the screen too much. So just to kind of tell you the story of Hannah, uh, kind of what went on here. She was married to a guy named Elkanah. Everybody say Elkanah. Right, that's one of those Hebrew words that's not too hard to do, right? Elkanah. So she's married to this guy named Elkanah. He also had another wife. Everybody say, whoa, whoa. Okay, Elkanah had a, a wife named Peninnah, and we'll just call her Penny, because that is one that's a little bit tongue twister, Peninnah. We'll just go with Penny. And so he had two wives, Penny and Hannah. And for those of you like, what's up with the two wives thing? Somebody needs to talk to me about that. Like, that's a little bit weird. If we look to Genesis 1-2, we see God's plan for creation and marriage. If we look in the New Testament, we see that affirmed, and we see a lot of bad decisions. And every single time you see polygamy going on in the Old Testament, you know what you find behind it? a mess. Like, you see a mess behind it, and God's never like, yeah, this is the plan. Like, we see God's plan in creation, and Paul affirming that in the New Testament. So, he's got two wives, Penny, Penny, she had a bunch of kids, and here Hannah has struggled with infertility. Elkanah loved her, and each year they would go up to the tabernacle, like the pilgrimage to go, and they would sacrifice, and they'd sit around the table at this weird awkward family table. <laughs> and, and at this table, um, um, uh, Elkanah would give um, Hannah even more, like he'd give her a double portion because he loved her so much. I don't think he did this out of pity, but he did this out of genuine love because of her character and the way she treated other people. Penny, on the other hand, was um, uh, not the nicest lady. She actually ridiculed and picked on Hannah for not being able to have children. I'm like, that's, that's ridiculous. Like, who does that? But she is that person, and, and let alone she's married to her husband, like, at the same time. Like, talk about a mess. Like, and so she's ridiculing her. She's picking on her, and she's making her feel terrible. And, and what we'll see begin to unfold in this scene in, in 1 Samuel chapter 1 is Hannah is dealing with all kinds of pain. First of all, she's dealing with the pain of her unrealized dreams to have a child. Like she's dealing with her unrealized dream. I think you guys have these notes on the pain there. There's four types of pain. Um, She's dealing with the pain of her unrealized dreams. Secondly, she's dealing with the pain of an attacker, someone who is uh, attacking her on a daily basis, on a yearly basis. She's coming after her and picking on her and upsetting her. So it got to the point where Hannah is sitting at dinner in this one scene that, that chapter one tells us. She's sitting at dinner and she will not eat anything. And so she gets up from the table. She gets up from the table, and she goes over, and she's just bawling her eyes out, broken, and she's crying out to the Lord. She's not just crying to herself. 
She's crying to the Lord. She's making a plea to the Lord that this prayer, that she would have a son, would come to uh, fruition. And, and she's going over, and as she does that, her husband comes over, Elkanah, and he says, hey, baby, like, what are you crying about? How many guys have ever been over, and you, you found a, 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 a woman in distress, and you put your foot in your mouth, and you just don't know what to say, and so you make it worse? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Ever been there? I've been there. Um, so I don't know. He didn't know what to say, and, and so he's like, baby, like, aren't I enough for you? What are you crying about? Aren't I enough for you? And like, oh yeah, I just saw a face of a woman in the room. Like, are you kidding me right now? You better walk away before you get slapped. Like, are you not enough? Why are you you making my pain about you? And so sometimes we have the the, the pain of ignorance, you know, even. Like, he just doesn't know better. And another pain that happened is Eli, who's the prophet, is sitting up back at the door. He's posted back at the door. They're making sacrifices around the table. And, and Eli, as she's praying, she's not praying aloud. She's moving her lips, though. You know what I'm talking about? You guys have probably done that when like, a pastor or a leader will be like, hey, let's all pray out loud. And you're like, I can't really pray out loud. I don't really feel comfortable with that, but I'll, I'll move my lips like I'm praying. You know what I mean? And so she's praying out loud, but she's not, not praying out loud. She's just moving her lips. And Eli looks over, and he thinks she's drunk. She's crying. Like, she's moving her lips. She just thinks she's had a little too much wine. And so he goes over. He's like, sis, you got to stop with the wine. Like, you're drinking too much. Just put it down. And um, so here, she's dealing with the pain of being misunderstood. How many have been misunderstood? Um, we've all dealt with these pains. Like some of us in the room right now, we're dealing with the pain of unrealized dreams. The job, the plans we had, the dreams we had, it hasn't worked out like we wanted. Uh, Some of us are dealing right now with pain of being attacked, maybe in the past six weeks, maybe in the past six years, in the past 16 years, a pain that we've been attacked by a person or just by the enemy, by Satan, like attacking through spiritual warfare. Maybe you've been in that place and you've experienced some pain of just being misunderstood. They just, they, they didn't understand my personality or they didn't understand what I meant by that. And maybe we've been the victim of the, the pain of ignorance. Like somebody just put their foot in, they didn't know any better. Like they, they're, just, they're just ignorant. They haven't been taught. They haven't been trained. It's just where they're at and their maturity level. I think there's so much that we can learn about Hannah and how she processed this pain and how she was faithful despite her pain. And that's really the first thought I want to share with us this morning is that you can be faithful despite your pain. Like you can be faithful. I mean, I don't have to point and be like, well, they hit me, therefore it excuses my behavior. But what we do is we have all these built-in mechanisms, these defense mechanisms in which when someone attacks us, I have to defend myself. Right, that, There's just this natural tendency, I have to defend myself, and we need to hear what Moses told the people of Israel in Exodus chapter 14, the Lord will fight for you, you just need to be still. You just need to be still. And, and maybe we're wrestling with some of that in our life right now, these natural defense mechanisms where we want to point our finger and be like, well, it's, it's really their fault. If, if they did what they would, what we're supposed to do, then I would do what I'm supposed to do. But we can't be salt and light like that in a reactionary way. This idea of, of, of being proactive and not reactionary as the body of Christ, it, we've been ringing this throughout this series because we do need to be intentional. And we can be dis- faithful despite our pain. Or this built-in mechanism to, to make excuses for why we're not faithful. 
why we're not trusting God with that relationship. Why we're worried about our finances. Why we're not trusting God with the tithe. Like, why we're not showing mercy to someone that's in front of us. We can make excuses. Well, they don't deserve it. Well, they were attacked me. Well, if, if my mom or my dad would have done this, then, then I would be able to do that. And God wants to show us his love so deeply today for anybody in the room that maybe pain has come at you so much that you begin to be defined by your pain. I'm telling you, you're not defined by your pain. And maybe for somebody else in the room that you've had a lot of traction in your spiritual life, you're not defined by your progress either. You're not defined by your pain. You're not defined by your progress. You're defined by the position that Christ has put you in as a beloved son and daughter. You're defined by the promises he's placed on your life, the purpose he's placed inside of you. That's what you're defined by. Not by your pain and certainly not by our own progress. You can be faithful despite your pain. I mean, we've all been there. And so we move away from being, making excuses. And, and just to kind of follow the, the, the story here at the end of 1 Samuel chapter 1, Hannah um, leaves that place and, and Eli kind of makes things right. Um, and he, the prophet, he says, hey, I'm, I'm sorry, I misunderstood you. He said, I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to pray that God will answer this prayer. Well, they go home and they conceive. They have a child. They have a young boy named Samuel, which means God heard me. God heard. God hears your cry. He knows. And he heard her cry. And so she goes home, and each year they would come up for this festival, for this tabernacle celebration. And in this time, uh, they would bring the sacrifices, and, and he would, Elkanah would invite Hannah each year. And she said, no, I'm just going to wait till Samuel's weaned. Like, I'm going to finish feeding him. And once he's weaned, I'll bring him back. She wanted to spend some bonding time with him in his first couple of years because she had every intention to return the promise of God, the gift of God back to God. Not like we'll do next week in baby dedication where we come up here, we dedicate him, Lord, and then we take him home. No, she was bringing her son back to the Lord for the Lord's sake and for the Lord's good. Like he got dropped off and she went home. I wonder if we would be so generous with the promise that God's given us. Say, God, it's not mine anyway. If not for you, I wouldn't have it. Because we, we want to deny responsibility um, when it doesn't work out, and we want to take responsibility when it does. And we hang on to it. But right now, some of the pain we feel because of unrealized dreams is because we've had a closed hand with what God can and do. But if we'll just begin to open our hand, what we'll find out is that God can do more than what we can think or imagine with, with our promise, with our dream, with the purpose. If we'll just open our hand. Open the hand with the promise. Open the hand with the purpose. Open it with the dream. Open it with your marriage. Open it with your relationships. Open it with your career. And just, and just be faithful. Despite the pain, despite the pain of being misunderstood or ignorance or being attacked or unrealized dreams, just be faithful. She goes home and, and she comes back and brings him. And then she goes home and she writes this prayer, this prophetic prayer of praise. That is some alliteration. This prophetic prayer of praise. And I, I want to read it to you, uh, verse 10, and just offer a few more thoughts on this text. Uh, chapter 2, beginning uh, with verse 1. Then Hannah prayed and said, 
My heart rejoices in the Lord. Just keep this in context of what she's just walked through and what she's, where she's at right now. My heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn, or my strength is what this means, it is lifted high. My mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance or in your salvation. There's no one holy like the Lord. There's no one beside you. There is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly or let your mouth speak such arrogance for the Lord is a God who knows. And by him deeds are ways. The bows of uh, the bows of, of the, the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. And those who were full now hire themselves out for food. And, and those who were hungry hunger no more. And though she who has barren, uh, who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive. He brings down to the grave and raises up. The Lord sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and he exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and he lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and has taken and has them inherit a throne of honor. Think about the seat changed. She's not the one mourning. She's now the one honor. For the foundation of the earth are the Lord's. Upon them he set the world. He will guard the feet of his saints. But the wicked will be silenced in darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails. Those who oppose the Lord will be shattered. He will thunder against them from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. Listen to this prophetic statement here. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Her son Samuel would go on to anoint David the first king. There's powerful text, powerful reading there, powerful prayer, poem, praise, prophetic. It's like got all kinds of um, P alliteration in there. Uh, and I just want to share a few things. We could, we could talk about this forever because it is just rich. It is rich as you see the context of what she has walked through in her life. To pray a prayer like that, that's only someone who's walked through it and then gave it back to God. That's someone who saw the victory and said, no, it's not my victory, it's it's yours. You are the holy one. You are the rock on which I stand. So just a few thoughts, and, and I'll keep it brief today. You don't have to be strong to be faithful. Doesn't that go against what we really think? Like when we're struggling with not being faithful in whatever area that might be. We think, I just got to be stronger. Like, I, I just got to get my act together, right? And, and that's a lie. It's a complete lie. Did you see what verse 9 said? Go back to, uh, to verse 9. Um, it is not by strength that one prevails. It's not by strength that we're going to prevail. I mean, that's, that's echoing what or Paul is echoing that in the New Testament when he's complaining to the Lord about his own struggle and his own failings and his own weaknesses. And what does God say to him? But God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. It's sufficient for your weakness. And I'm made strong through that. And so if you're struggling with faithfulness right now, just know you don't have to be strong. You can rest in his strength. And the longer you keep trying to do it by your strength, the more you're going to miss out. And it's really pride that prevents from us from bringing it to the Lord and really being honest about that. But when we read what her prayer was in verse 3, the Lord knows. He knows. 
Like, let's stop faking it. Let's stop faking it till we make it. Let's just rest. Let's just be still in his presence. I love what Isaiah 40, 31 says. Uh, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. See, the difference between Hannah and all these other women, um, Sarah, uh, Rebecca, and Rachel, the three women who struggled with infertility before her, the difference is she kept her hope in the Lord. She was, she was faithful. She, she didn't give up. She didn't just throw her hands up and say, whatever. She remained. She kept to the faith. They'll soar on wings like eagles, Isaiah 40, 31 says. They'll run and they won't grow weary and they'll walk and not be faint. I've, I've used this a couple times and so forgive me if you've heard this, but a, a friend it was actually Pastor Jeremy a few weeks ago, and, and I was just talking about how exhausted I am in this season. Like, it's just, it's been exciting, it's been fun, but some of you, like, had told me, like, dude, dude you look tired. I'm like, thanks? It's like, what's wrong with your face? You know, it's like, that's a, it's never something you want to hear. But like, you look tired. Go take a nap. Um, no, but he was telling me, he said, you know, man, a lot of times with the second wind, we think it'll come if we take a break. But a second wind, runners know this, athletes know this, your second wind comes when you push through the exhaustion. When it pushes through, and I rested this week, and so I'm not talking about Sabbath, honoring, not honoring that, but I'm talking about if we rest in God's strength, if our hope is in him, the Lord will renew their strength. God's going to renew your strength. And I pray in these next few moments as we come in just a few moments and we worship and celebrate, maybe some of you and say, I'm just tired, man. I'm just grinding. I'm doing everything I can. I feel like I've got nothing left. I'm hustling to take care of uh, things at my job and at church and with my family. I'm trying to, trying to do it all, and I just can't. I'm exhausted. You can just rest in God's strength, and I believe that God can spiritually renew your strength today, and you can soar out of here and through this week like, like an eagle. Uh, second thing I want to share with you, just a couple thoughts here. Um, you can be faithful because God's sovereign over your life. You can be, you can be faithful because he's sovereign over your life. I mean, did you read that in there? Um, uh, verse uh, 10, he will, uh, no, that's not it. Uh, excuse me, end of verse eight. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's and upon them he set the world. I think so much of our stress and our worry and our struggle and our striving and our doubt comes because we don't believe this truth, that God is sovereign over everything. And we get things out of perspective. And so when we talk about the spiritual disciplines, uh, they're, they're not like some like checklist just to do to keep up and, and earn our way or that's what faithfulness looks like. But we can't be faithful without the spiritual disciplines because with the spiritual disciplines, we'll have the right perspective. We'll constantly be in God's word and in prayer. And if you are seeking his face, you're always, you're going to have the right perspective. And why we get tired and why we begin to doubt is just because we get the wrong perspective because we've taken our eyes off of him. And so we're exhausted. We've got nothing left because we think the problem's actually bigger than our God, but it's not. It's not. We, we, we just, we miss it. We miss it. God is sovereign over everything. He can do everything. Did you read through what Jesus did when he was on this earth? Have you not read through the miracles of what God did in the Old Testament? He can part seas, right? He can do it on dry land. He can call manna from heaven, right? He can raise the dead. He can heal the lame, and, and do, we, do we truly believe that he is sovereign over everything, over every disease, over every relationship, over every promise that he's put in our life? He is sovereign over it. 
over every struggle. He's sovereign. And when we believe, it's such a simple truth. But I just want to ask us this simple question. How big is your God? If your God is smaller than the Bible, then you're constantly, or than the God of the Bible, then we're constantly going to be doubting. We're constantly going to be exhausted because we've gotten things out of perspective. We've forgotten that he can do anything. He will exalt the humble. And he, he can, and I, and I love this one phrase in there, this prophetic statement in her poem, where she says that the Lord, I think it's in verse seven, um, Nope, it's not. It's in, um, excuse me, talk amongst yourselves, talk amongst yourselves. Yeah. Oh, uh, verse five. She who was barren has borne seven children, but she who has had many sons pines away. She who was barren has seven, seven sons. Okay, so if you look down to verse 21, the scriptures tell us that Hannah had um, had three sons and in, in two daughters, like God wasn't done with her. And when she came and she dropped her son off, Eli said, God's going to give you a lot more children, sis. Because you've done this, Lord, God's going to bless you and going to bring multiplication into your life. And I I love this scripture, and it begins to lead us into our, our last point here, is that there's power in compound faithfulness. The number seven was not a literal statement. This is before she didn't know how many children. She was saying it in, in boldness and faith that God's going to give her those children. Seven is a number of completion that God's going to give her exactly what she needs. God's going to give her the complete amount of children for her family and, and for his design and for his dream for her life. And, and we see the, the faithfulness that carried her through and, and she was able to receive that promise and returning it back to God. We see that compounds. I don't know how many of you are investors in any way, financial investors, but if, um, if you just think back maybe to the beginning of the recession, what, 10 years ago, 10, 11 years ago, uh, I guess 10 years ago, and if you sat down with a financial planner after the first six months of the recession, after the first year, right, what was everybody that had all this money and savings and retirement, what were they feeling like at that time? Some of you lost a lot of money at that time. Some of you have friends and family members who lost a lot of time. But you think about the fear that they're dealing with. If you sat down in front of a, a financial planner, what would they tell you? Hey, man, I'm just, I'm scared. Like, I just don't want to lose all this money. It's been decreasing month after month. Like, I'm about to run out. Like, what are we going to do? What would that, the, the best financial planners, what would they say? I'd say, keep investing, man. Keep pouring in. there's going to be some compound faithfulness. If you just do this recession, actually, that's when it's the cheapest. That's the best time to buy. Just keep investing. Keep investing. Because everybody that that out of fear ran, out of doubt, ran and pulled everything out, they lost tons and they never to reclaim it. But those that kept in there and just faithful day after day, month after month, were faithful with it. Man, they saw huge returns as the market has returned. And the same is true in our life. We get tired, we get our perspective off, we deal with some pain, and we're ready to pull our money out. I'm not talking about money. Maybe it is money for you. But I'm talking about faithfulness. And we're, we're, we're ready to just cut, cut our losses and run. But I'm thankful Hannah didn't cut her losses and run because she gave birth to Samuel who would anoint David. And this was the line of Jesus here. 
This was Israel's best king, the star of David, the city of David. And her son was able to anoint this guy king. What an honor. I'm glad she didn't pull out and say, I'm, I'm, I'm done. And try to point at everybody and like, you're the reason why, God, you're the reason why. And blame everybody else. But she just walked faithfully day after day. And she's an example to us today. She's an example right now in your family for some maybe pain that you're dealing with in your family. Just be faithful. Just keep being faithful to who God's called you to be. You don't have to respond. You don't have to fight. Just be still. Let him fight for you. Like maybe you're dealing with this with your job in some ways and like maybe the pain you've been dealing of being misunderstood at your job or being attacked at your job has, has really gotten in the way and you haven't been a light in a dark place. You're just adding noise to the, the problem now. And God wants us to be a light. He wants to bring light into our life. Or maybe we've just simply, we've been worshiping too small a God and we've gotten things out of perspective because we made it about a checklist and we made it about a routine and we didn't make it about just being honest and real with God, knowing that he knows and just trusting in him. So wherever you're at today, I want to call us to faithfulness in this season. Call us to faithfulness. To be faithful to God, to trust him with the situation, to be trusting him in every area of our life, knowing that God's going to do exceedingly more than we can think or imagine when we open our hands and trust him with it. I want to ask you to stand. I want to pray with you today. And just as you bow your heads, I just want to ask you a few questions. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want to ask you a couple of questions. If you're in this room and you say, Pastor, I've been pointing my fingers at people, at situations, and be like, if, if they would just do that, then, then I could do that. Maybe we're dealing with some pain, and it's kind of causing us, maybe it's exhaustion pain, maybe it's being attacked, I don't know. But if that's you this morning, say, I'm dealing with some pain and, it's, and it's, I'm struggling through it. Can you just raise your hand this morning? Just lift a hand. Every, every eye is bowed. Thank you. You can put it down. Maybe you're in this, in this room today and, and you say, like, I, I, I believe the Lord, but like, I, I feel like I've been worshiping a God too small. Like, I'm not really walking in trust. I'm walking in comfort. Like, and I just want to trust. I want all of God. I want, I want to believe in the sovereign God who's over every situation. I want to really live that out, that I can experience the adventure and joy of walking in faith with the Lord. If that's you this morning, can you just lift your hand up and say, I've just worshiped a God too small. He's sovereign over it today, church. He's sovereign over it today. You can put your hand down. Thank you. Or maybe you're in this place and you're like, I'm out of strength, man. I'm just exhausted. Like, I'm, I'm over it. I, I can't fight anymore. I'm tired. I'm just ready to throw in the towel. I'm ready to give in. I just need to rest this morning. I need to rest in his spirit. I need to be renewed in my strength. If that's you today, can you just raise your hand? Just real simple. Say, I, I need my strength to be renewed this morning. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. God, I thank you for this time right now. I thank you. I pray that you would just... You would draw us together to your feet, God, to be reminded that you have been faithful to us, God. That you will 
always be faithful to us, God. That we never have to doubt, God. We, we don't have to doubt. We don't have to waver, God. We can walk in faith. When we walk in faith, then we can walk in faithfulness over every little thing, God. Help us to be faithful in the small things, God, so you can trust us with bigger things. Don't miss out, church. Don't miss out on the bigger things he has because we're not being faithful with the little things. Be faithful. God, I thank you that we can come into your presence and be met here and your, your power and your presence can overwhelm us and take us to new heights in your presence. And I just pray that you would have your way in these next few moments as we worship and say, God, whatever you want for us, whatever you have for us, God, we want it all. Would you lead us there today in Christ's name?